0: Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois.
1: And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. I know I can't do it. It's you a are, delay,
0: and, and and you are also like, um, uh, you're also like you're out of sorts. You had a you had a crazy day. I had a crazy day. We today. won't go into no, it. No, we don't. Need it was to go a crazy day. Crazy emotional, emotional. But, but like uh, uh, on every level, like business, personal, yeah. like there's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, so so much going then on. Then you had to get here really quick. You were yep. you were going to be late. In fact, I, you should have been late. I should have been late. But you Whoa, weren't
1: late. Oh, I don't know. But yeah. you know, at that time though, Joe, no one's really going
0: home. So the roads are clear. Yeah, yeah. But the, does that mean you can just speed? No, I, who were you said speeding? I was speeding?
1: Who says I was speeding? Uh,
0: that you got here you you made a 20 minute drive in 10 minutes. I think that uh that's a indication. I don't know if that's the right time Pretty
1: sure But I did do the whole like you're supposed to be in the merge lane and move earlier And I kept going down the merge lane to get in front of everybody yeah, else Yeah
0: listen and just just so you know um, Just because the shoulder is not a lane It doesn't mean that you can drive any speed you want on the shoulder Like that's not a Are you that's sure? not a th- Yeah I'm pretty sure No I'm were, pretty yeah, sure you're uh, allowed to do whatever you want on mm-hmm. the shoulder oh.
1: It's no man's land
0: So uh, I'm really excited, man. We've been talking about this. We've been working it out, working hard to uh, find some time to have a conversation with uh, Dr. Denny Burke. And uh, we get to do that today. Finally. Finally,
1: Dr. Denny, welcome to the show.
0: So
2: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, a lot of you guys know, a lot of our listeners definitely know who you are, but in case some of our listeners don't, uh, Dr. Burke is a professor of biblical studies at Boyce College, uh, which is the college at Southern Seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, He's also the director of the Center for Gospel and Culture there, Uh, but he's also an associate pastor at uh, Kenwood Baptist Church. He Hmm. does, I think, half of the preaching there, and he is, of course, the president of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood.
1: You're forgetting the most important thing. He was one of the founding members of uh, the Backstreet Boys. No, it's and a so different so Burke. Thankful. That's a different
0: Burke. That's Burke Parson.
1: What are we doing with this guy? No, we, <laughs> this, this is because we're talking about complementarianism. I but I thought I thought we're getting Backstreet guy. No, no. we're getting Backstreet Burke. No, no. Uh, uh, no welcome, is- Doctor
2: Doctor Burke. <laughs> I was in sync.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, man, uh, you are like a. If you guys don't know, like you, you think about a guy like, OK, so first of all, this guy's super busy. <laughs> he's he wears very a busy, hat. very busy. But uh, Dr. Burke is also wicked smart, like um, wicked smart. He is uh, he, like, let me just tell you this, like he, he was writing. books. you know, he writes books, but I write books. That doesn't make you smart. He's, no, he's absolutely. Commentaries, what? but he's also written the Greek grammar. <laughs>
1: Like real books, (laughs) not like pamphlets that you have as a bathroom reader. They are pamphlets. They're not staples, so they're
0: not pamphlets. The point is, is that um, Denny spends uh, a lot of his time using the gifts that God has given him to think through a lot of critical issues that the church is facing today, and then to interact with those issues and then respond to them in a way that the church can really benefit from. And so, uh, really, we wanted to talk to you uh, a bit about complementarianism and. Maybe we could start with uh, with this. Uh, you're the president for CBMW. Can you explain what that organization
2: is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, CBMW stands for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And it was formed back in 1987 when um, John Piper and Wayne Grudem and a handful of others came together. And they were just looking at the culture, um, not only outside of evangelicalism, but within evangelicalism. And we're noticing Feminism and w- was beginning to have uh, more and more of an influence, even within church culture, and they wanted to stake a claim of what does the Bible really say about manhood and womanhood? And um, so they came together in 1987 in Danvers, Massachusetts, and they they drafted a statement called the Danvers we now know of as the called the Danvers Statement. Which outlines um, a series of principles on on manhood and womanhood, and what in, and in particular what the scriptures say about it. And that ended up that uh, the Denver statement ended up being the basis for our organization, which they all founded uh, out of that meeting. And the, yeah, and so Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood came came from that, and it was created to promote. Um, the Danvers vision of manhood and womanhood, which is a complementarian vision of manhood and womanhood. Although, interestingly, if you read the Danvers statement, you will not find the word complementarian in there anywhere. Um, That was something that came a a little bit after as a way to to summarize the teaching, but the the teaching is the substance of it. So CBMW was founded 30 years ago for that. Something pretty significant happened. Uh, significant, however, happened very recently. Um, So 1987 was the original statement. Uh, 2017, 30 years later, um, another group of church leaders and um, academics came together, a larger group, in Nashville to talk about um, current challenges that have been facing the church and to see if there couldn't if we couldn't um, hammer out a new consensus statement to address these newer issues and those newer issues are related to the older issues, but are different. Um, mm-hmm. it, the, the newer issues are um, dealing with sexuality and gender in particular, the, the transgender mm-hmm. challenge. And um, so we all met in Nashville in 2017, I came up with another statement, which is now known as the Nashville statement which tries to apply just basically a biblical anthropology to what um, the, the culture is saying about sexuality and gender now. And so it's a statement basically dealing with homosexuality, marriage, and, and transgenderism. So as of as of 2017, um, CBMW now is Danvers and Nashville. So we do both, Very both cool. things now.
0: Yeah, we did an episode on the national statement when that came out. We liked it and um, and thought that was uh, a really interesting and needed conversation to be had. And so, yeah, we uh, we definitely appreciate that. So y- you are the the president, though, of uh, CBMW. Yeah. Oh, what does the president do? Do you actually have a job or are you just like the pretty face?
1: And do they all call you El Presidente?
0: Oh, that. Yeah.
2: more important. That's, that's fine. I like Bishop. Um, just kidding. <laughs> um, El Capitan is fine Uh, (laughs) um seriously though um that's a great question um it i think the president of cbmw the different people have had this job over the years but the the role that i have now is a little more hands-on um it used to be that the executive director did everything but the president um now me works hand in hand with the executive director and we we do we do a lot together but uh, for me um, what that means is casting a vision it means um, speaking a lot it means um, the the staff our small staff reports to me and um, our goal is basically to spread the vision uh, that's reflected in the Danvers and Nashville statements through um, providing um, conferences we provide resources we have a website with a, a huge amount of resources available for free for people to to download and so that's what my role is 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 overseeing all of that and um, I've got I've got a great staff I've got a great executive director named Colin Smothers and um, we are just uh, plugging along
1: yeah it um, we keep talking about complementarianism and do you mind for for our listeners Denny do you mind just how would you define complementarianism
2: yeah, complementarianism is really the word is not compliment. Like I'm giving you a compliment. Yeah, uh, it's not. You know, yeah. Like, no.
1: Oh, I, Joe, I thought you're compliment. You're supposed to be complimenting me yeah, all the time we, that, and how great I am. Well, oh, I, I
2: think you're both swell fellows, and that oh. would be a, <laughs> thanks, Danny. That would be a compliment. But if I said you're a swell fellow, and then you said to me, "Well, we think you're a swell fellow too." Those would be complimentary compliments.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. Very good. So, mm. That's his brain working. Mm, he I was able to take there. our stupidness uh, and bring it all the way back around. That's, that's exactly right. That's why you the doctor.
2: So uh, compliment and compliment is the difference we're talking about here. But uh, Genesis right. uh, 2 in particular presents uh, the first man and the first woman as compliments. You know, God says, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to make one who uh, corresponds to the man, and in and in what that really means is somebody who's complementary to him. Not only in their you know physical, biological, sexual being, they're complementary in that sense, but they're also complementary in the role assignments that he's that he gave them in that that first marriage. And so in Genesis two, it's really clear that God has given the man a special responsibility of leadership and protection and provision. In that first marriage and he's given the woman a uh, responsibility to affirm that leadership and follow that leadership now the, there, it, there, those are complementary roles that God has given to them and so that's why we call it complementarianism but even within those differing roles complementarians also um, want to affirm what Genesis 1 teaches is that male and female are created equally in the image of God and so a woman is no more or no less in the image of God than a man is. And a man is no more or no less in the image of God than a woman is. Um, they're both equally created in the image of God. And because of that, they both have equal value and dignity before God. And of course, when you look at what the scripture teaches about salvation, uh, the apostle Peter says in first Peter three, seven, that we're co heirs of the grace of life. So, when even when it comes to redemption, we're, we're saved equally. We're not, um, <laughs> a man is not more or less saved or redeemed than a woman. A woman's not more or less saved or redeemed than a, than a man. And so there's a, there's a quality with difference within the qual- complementarian framework. Uh, but those differing roles of leadership and affirming that leadership, those are the ones that tend to be the ones that are on the front end of cultural conversation, because that particular piece is the one that seems to do contradict the spirit of the age the most. Right, right.
0: So like, you know, just, you know, to be honest, uh, to be really clear, uh, we are Danvers men. We, we we like the Danvers statement. We agree with the Danvers statement. And that's always been what we point to when, when this comes up. Because there are uh, different extrapolations of complementarianism, right? There's uh, there are some that you know colloquially something some people say that they are hard complementarian versus soft complementarian. Um, you know whether people have different um, ideas about the extent of, of authority uh, of the husband in marriage. So um, maybe before we get into some of those issues, can you maybe paint a picture for us? Uh, what what does Maybe just give us one picture of what healthy complementarianism looks like in a marriage, right? Uh, just a picture. It can't be a full picture, of course. But maybe what is one way that you could see healthy complementarianism working in a marriage? And then maybe you could paint a picture for us of what unhealthy, uh, bad complementarianism would look like, which in, that, in which case, in my opinion, it wouldn't really be complementarianism; it would be something else. But uh, clearly, there are people that you know take like Calvinism, for example, and become hyper Calvinists. Uh, And so we would want to say, well, okay, we're Calvinists, but we don't like hyper-Calvinism. Here's what that looks like. So can you give us a picture of what healthy complementarianism looks like and then maybe what unhealthy
2: complementarianism looks like? Uh, Sure. Um, You know, whenever I teach about this, I try to, you know, especially when I teach on on, on headship, um, I try to explain to men in particular that complementarianism is not micromanaging your wife. Um, And so if you're in general, in general, if you're a a personality that's inclined to think to equate leadership with micromanagement, you're probably going to get headship wrong because you're you're going to get get leadership uh, wrong. If you're also the kind of person that's inclined to think about leadership as some something that exists to serve yourself, you're going to get complementarianism Mm -hmm. uh, wrong because what complementarianism is, it's based on. It's based on the way that Jesus relates to the church. And so the healthiest picture that you can portray of complementarianism is the way that Jesus loves the church and the way that the church relates to to Jesus. So if you look at Ephesians 5, for instance, it talks about husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself for nobody ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. So the, the picture in scripture of the most healthy complementary relationship is that between Christ and the church and it's an analogy, and all analogies um, break down if you press them too far. But what what Jesus is, is doing in relation to his church, he's leading his church, but he's doing it in a way that's self-sacrificial. Um, Jesus right. says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, you know, Jesus, there's real leadership, there's real authority in Jesus' relationship with the church, um, but, but it's a self-sacrificial uh, authority that seeks the good and the flourishing of those that are um, uh, he's in leadership over. And so Jesus is the perfect uh, model of that. And so, um, you know, Jesus, uh, excuse me, Paul says in, in Ephesians five, that that marriage exists actually to draw attention to that relationship of Christ to his church. So what that means is that for, for husbands to, to be in a a healthy, complementarian relationship with their wives. It means they're they're called to lead and to provide, and to protect um, their wives. That that's what husbands yeah. are, are called to. That's what Jesus um, has done and is doing for the church, and that's what husbands are called to do for their wives. Um, they their headship does not exist so that everybody else can serve his needs. His headship exists yeah. so that he can serve their needs and and lead them in a way that's that's God honoring and so um, for you know for for women what that means is that you want to accept and to embrace and endorse and affirm that leadership in, in is in, in any way that you possibly can and Paul says in Ephesians 5 that women are to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord and so he draws that analogy in again and so a healthy, Um, complementary relationship is not one of uh, micromanagement and self-serving, you know, abusive um, coercion of women. That's not what it is. It is a self-sacrificial leadership, casting of a vision for a family, and leading that family in that vision.
1: Yeah, and Denny, this is one of the things that really excited me when you took over uh, with the CBMW. Uh, the day that you kind of put out like this, uh, not press release, but this statement, uh, I was really excited by by the whole, it was about five pages or a couple of pages long, whatever it was. But there was one uh, phrase, this one statement, this one paragraph that I really loved. You said, uh, we want to affirm that a biblical view of complementarity blesses honors and protects women to this end. I would like to revisit CBMW's statement against abuse to reiterate that the abuse of women is a serious crime and has no place in a complementarian framework. And I mean, so I love hearing what you're talking about uh, for healthy complementarianism about it's not there to, to just have everyone serve you. It's not there to wield power over others, but to sacrificially love and care for those that have been entrusted to you,
2: yeah, and I- exactly. It, if headship is not blessing and honoring, and uh, uh, women, it's just it's not what the Bible is 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 calling us to do. And you know, one of the things, if you read the Danvers statement, one of the things that it says is it talks about what it talks about what headship is, but then it talks about what distortions of of manhood are. And it says in the home, a husband's loving, humble headship tends to be replaced by domination or passivity. Yeah. So so what, what you can have on the one hand in the distortion category is domination, uh, abuse, mm-hmm. um, you know, all kinds of self-serving, self-serving styles of leadership, which fly the banner falsely of complementarianism, not really complementarianism at all. It's actually what we would call sin. Right. We don't mm-hmm. even put it on the same spectrum of, as yeah. complementarianism. But that's one.
0: Yeah, it's not a view. It's not a perspective, guys. It's yeah. just sin. That, that's, that's, that's
2: right. So if So if at one end of the sin spectrum is domination, on the other end of the sin spectrum is passivity. And frankly, both of those are rife in our culture. And it just depends on the man that you're looking at as to what kind of, Error he tends towards if he's tending towards a sinful self serving domination or a sinful self serving passivity. You know, and frankly, I'm not sure which one is more prevalent. Maybe even the latter. um, If you talk to a lot of wives.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, You know, Jimmy and I are married to uh, these godly. Beautiful, strong women like yeah, they are very beautiful. Yeah, and very beautiful. <laughs> we we love you, ladies. Um, and they they don't listen, so it doesn't matter what we say. Um, but they um they are super strong, super gifted, like many other yeah. uh, believers' wives. And um and they are complementarian, uh, but it is a it is a very healthy understanding of complementarianism that, that I think that they hold that we that we seek to hold, and so um, we really appreciate. What you've said here. There was an article um, written by uh, Stephen Tracy uh, called "What Does Submit in Everything Really Mean: uh, The Nature and Scope of Marital Submission." You read that too? Are you, are yeah, you, I read it too. High five. <laughs> are you familiar with that article? Uh, where was that? Oh goodness, yeah, um, yeah. You, can, I'm sure you can. I think it was in Trinity Journal or something. Oh, okay. I may have read it. I mean, yeah, it, it This was I'm a while ago, right now, but I remember. It was right. like 10 Crazy. years ago.
2: Crazy.
0: So, uh, but in it, he talks about, you know, th- the kind of submission. And we kind of, we wanted to get your take on this because uh, just to be honest, we, we tend to describe ourselves as soft complementarian. Yeah.
1: And I'm proud to say that.
0: And uh, w- we wind up saying that because there are people out there that have said foolish things in the name of complementarianism about wives who were abused, going back to their husbands and just, you know, bearing it in a, with a godly disposition and whatnot. And, um, and there are others that are are taking, uh, principles of complementarianism within the church and within the home and extending them out into a number of other social situations very dogmatically. Um, and so we really focus complementarian issues on in the church and in the home. So we tend to call ourselves soft complementarian, but what, uh, what this guy does is, uh, you know, Tracy argues that re- regarding the extent to which, um, Women are supposed – or wives are supposed to submit to their husbands in all things. Um, He talks about unqualified authority that the husband has or a single qualification authority, which is um, unless he's asking you to do something sinful, don't obey that. Otherwise, everything else, he has authority and you need to submit. Uh, And then there is what he calls multiple qualification authority, which really reframes it and talks about the idea of headship and authority being more of an emphasis on responsibility for the whole and uh the sacrificial love and care for his wife and of course these are just the way he's breaking it down but we would love to hear your thoughts on the extent of authority that a husband has over his wife and um where that authority comes to an end
2: yeah so in and uh, whenever I teach on Ephesians 5, I teach on this very issue because Paul does say wives are supposed to submit to their husbands in everything. And so the question you have to ask is uh, everything? Yeah,
1: what, <laughs> uh, is, what does it mean by everything?
2: Really? I mean, Paul, do you know what's going on in the world? Um, <clears throat> if you, but the, the, the thing is, is that when you look at these analogies, there's an analogy between Christ's headship and a husband's headship. Mm -hmm. As I said before, if you press it too far, it's the analogy breaks down. Jesus is perfect. Okay. So every time he gives us a command, we should obey it. He's never, he never errs, He never makes a mistake. He never sins. The same is not true of, um, of men and and husbands in general, they're sinners. And so, um, whenever I teach on this passage, the, the built-in qualification here that I think Paul acknowledges, and I think I can demonstrate it from Scripture, the built-in qualification is, is that you would never, a woman would never want to uh, submit to sin or to abuse, either one of, of those two things. Um, you can think of, the. in fact, if a husband was calling his wife to submit to one of those two things, um, I would cite the example of the apostles in Acts chapter 4 and 5 when they were called on to um, defy God's word because of a secular authority. They said it's better for us to obey God right. rather That's than right. men. And so uh, all human authorities are, are uh, derivative authorities from God's ultimate authority. And no human authority is authorized by God to defy his authority or to call other people to defy his authority. So the call to affirm a husband's leadership is not just blanket do whatever he says. That's not what it is. It's it's that's right. It's a freedom to uh, affirm his leadership, accepting those things that we're he, wherein he would call you to sin or to submit to 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 abuse. I would say that those two things are are definitely uh, limita- limitations.
0: And so like the, like the abuse thing is interesting because, or maybe complicated is a better word because, you know, if, if the husband is saying, I don't want you to watch, uh, that TV show, uh, because it annoys me or I, I, I don't, you know, and I'm not talking about something that you could argue moral grounds on like game of thrones or something. People could argue moral grounds or, on. or the maybe bachelor or the bachelor. Right. So let's just say like, I, I don't want you watching that show. We're going to watch what I want to watch. Um, you know, In your mind, uh, that sort of a thing, pressed, could become sin uh, or uh, a very mild form of abuse. It, it, it would would that be a fair thing to say? Uh, like, is she supposed to submit to him and only watch what he wants to watch if he isn't um, you're calling, giving her the chance you're calling to watch that TV?
2: Ab- you're labeling that abuse? I'm asking you if you would see that <laughs> as I would say a mild is That is wrong. Um, like sinful? Yeah, I would say that that's wrong and sinful. That's why I'm Good. saying that if, you're, if you think that. If, if you're defining headship as I'm going to self-servingly do what I want mm-hmm. to the neglect of everybody right. else's wants and needs, you're, you're sinning. Okay. Yeah. You're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself yeah. up for her. And if all you're doing is being self-serving, well, that you're, you're, you're off the reservation of, of biblical right. headship. So whether or not in a given instance would be called abuse, I don't know if I'd call, you know, a television show. Right. 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 But, um but I, I i- get what you're saying i mean it's it's a transgression of what biblical headship is at the very least,
1: yeah, so hey Denny, I love that uh you named a a couple uh couple things a couple of the limits uh Joe, I think tracy's article uh it'd be good if we could put that in the show notes yeah, if we'll we could it, yeah, but uh uh if you don't mind, I'd like to share uh he lists six uh specific limits to a husband's authority over his wife. And kind of get your thoughts on thoughts on these, maybe where you agree or maybe uh, where you might think, okay, he kind of went a little farther than than I would. Uh, But one, uh, a woman must not submit to her husband when obedience to him would violate a biblical principle, not just a direct biblical statement. Right. So I think that's that's number one. Number two, a wife must not submit to her husband when obedience to him would compromise her relationship with Christ. Uh, number three, those are easy, right? Those are easy, yeah. Uh, number three, a wife must not submit to her husband when obedience to him would violate her conscience.
0: Ooh, stop there.
1: Yeah. What What are your thoughts there,
2: Denny? Well, the Bible teaches that whatever is not from faith is sin. Um, you You can never advise somebody to violate their own conscience. I think it would be in the category mm-hmm. of the first two.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, number four. A wife must not submit to her husband when obedience to him would compromise the care, nurture, and protection of her children. Um, Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, these are complicated. I mean, the principles are good. Um, How does this uh, – I've just done enough marital counseling to want to know, okay, what are you talking Mm -hmm. about here? Right, right. Uh, Yeah,
1: one of the examples I I think Tracy gives was like, you know, whether or not to wear seatbelts, Joe whether the kids could wear seatbelts. Yeah, they got to wear you know, seatbelts. Yeah. My, oh, yeah. seat you know, My kids always know. wear seatbelts. My kids always wear seatbelts. Oh, yeah, your kids, but well, you don't. Yeah. But either way, you're kind of that person where, you know, uh, the father would say, "Nah, they don't need to wear seatbelts. No, I it, don't say that. You know, no, I'm saying this guy. Oh, this okay. is the yeah. example from right. the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And the wife should just submit to that. But
2: that, that would be illegal. To submit to what?
1: To oh, the, the husband's uh, uh, ruling that the kids don't have to wear seatbelts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Well, this is,
1: but I think they're also going deeper on physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse.
2: Wait, how does those, how do those relate to the belt thing?
1: Oh, he just has multiple examples. That's okay. what I'm trying to say. So, yeah.
2: I mean, those are, so yeah, I, I know it's subjective. Those are, those are ones where if I had two people in my church and you had a husband and a wife having an argument over this, I'm going to be on the wife's side and say, you're being stupid. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, if, if it were, you know, flipped around, I would probably be on the husband's side. If he were the one arguing for the seatbelts. In other words, I'd be trying to, to, to push both parents to do the thing that is most safe for the, for the children and trying to get the one who was digging their heels in to, to come around to that, whoever it was. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, these these examples uh, and these statements sound, I think, to you and to Jimmy and I like no, duh, no brainers. But I, I think the reason he wrote the article, and this was back in 08. I think the reason he wrote the article and are giving these lists is because there are those who, you know, wear the complementarian T-shirt who really are self-serving, domineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say, if you can't point out a verse that says that what I'm doing is sin, then you have to obey me. I think that's why, you know, these, it's just good to ask you as mm. the president of CBMW, just get to get your take on these things because some people get legitimately confused, or because there are people out there who don't like complementarianism. But what they really don't like is not complementarianism, but the caricature yeah. of it yeah. that is sometimes We've presented. Had a lot of bad examples of that. Bad right? examples, and then misinformation right, about complementarianism a- as well by a- some egalitarians.
2: This is a bona fide question come for, coming from President CBMW. Uh, maybe you don't have to name names. Are, are you thinking of specific examples of this? Because I'll hear this from time to time, mm. and I'm th- I'm trying to think what mainstream complementarian.
0: Oh, I'm not even thinking about. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, well, John Piper has said some some things that are a little over the top in my estimation on complementarianism. But I'm I'm really thinking more about just men in churches, men in in conservative evangelical churches that have gone too far with
2: the complementarian view.
0: That's really what I'm thinking about.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, whenever I observe that, I mean, it's not something actually I, whenever I observe that I'm encouraging churches to bring their discipline to bear on those. Yeah. On those. Yeah. I agree. Um, if, if there's somebody that's being uh, foolish, I think the churches, is uh, the church needs to intervene there. If, if there's somebody who's being abusive, the church definitely yeah. needs to intervene here and also report. But, um, um, so I, I, don't know how to deal with this, these things apart from the, from the context of a covenant community where there's yeah. accountability. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, I, have a, I have a really, I have a problem with these, you know, anybody who would say that they're living out complementarianism, but they're not subject to a community yeah. that holds to a biblical vision. Yeah. I love it. Um, so if, that, good. if that's not happening, um, listen, this is what happens. You're going to have all manner of spiritual infidelities mm-hmm. um, where people are not subject to a disciplined con- congregation. Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah, there's no so healthy anyway. life outside of the church, man. That's for sure. Especially I agree. when it comes to these issues. And,
2: and and if anybody that's out there kind of doing the Lone Ranger, uh, you know, thing and thinking they're calling this complementarianism, it's just not. Because, husbandly authority is going to, is going to submit to godly authority, which is church authority. Mm. And um, if your family is not in that kind of a context, I would say that you've got an abdication right there. So good.
0: That was really good. We love, we love that, Denny. Listen, um, what about uh, complementarianism within evangelicalism? Like I know like that's kind of hard to nail down because evangelicalism is whatever it is. But what about in the SBC? Um, You're a Southern Baptist. I'm a Southern Baptist. Jimmy says, we're all Southern Baptists here. We just did an episode on what that is and how that works. Um, What do you think the state of complementarianism is in Southern Baptist
2: life? I think our confessional statement is clear. Oh, yeah. um, About the same things that the Danvers statement is clear about. So the the Danvers statement and uh, the Baptist faith and message both talk about um, that God has called men to be the heads of their homes and that certain leadership positions with the church are limited to qualified men. So what you have specified in Danvers and in this Baptist faith and message is um, a complementary framework for the church and the home. But what so, about
0: the average church out there? Like our average churches, where are they? How do you think they're doing with, uh, with the issue?
2: Yeah. So, well, I was going to, I was, I was coming around the mountain with that. Um,
0: slow down, Joe. Slow, I, I I gotta slow hear your it. roll. I want to
1: know. Slow your roll. Yeah.
2: I think that that most churches are um, theologically naive, not just about this, but about mm-hmm. a whole host of issues sure, yeah. that may be addressed in our, our uh, doctrinal statement. I think when it comes to the way that family dynamics and what God calls men to be, what God calls family to be, I think there's an absolute crisis in our churches. Yeah. And it's one that, that, that relates to complementarianism, but if you look at the way that, that our churches over the last several decades have responded to the divorce culture yeah. and the way that marriages disintegrate in churches and churches do nothing about it, that's a symptom of, of deep problems within the church's own discipline and order, and it, it's a symptom of the fact that they're not really pastoring families to be what God has, has called them to be. So when I look out now, that's a, that's an evangelical problem across yeah. the board. I think it's a, I think it's something that, that Southern Baptists are need to work on. We actually, I we actually we have teach.
0: A general, I, was, sorry, I was just going to say, we actually do uh, teach on complementarianism in our membership class. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I would, when, when a church tells me that I, I tend to think of that as exceptional. Right. Just in my experience of, uh, of the churches uh, across, finally, across Joe, you the
1: did world. something good.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think that that's exceptional. I think that that that's good. But I, I, I would like to see churches more biblically and theologically engaged because all these things we're talking about are downstream from from biblical teaching, and people t- tend to not even know what that that is. And if they do know what it is, in a lot of places, it's not in, enforced. Right. In right. the church. And, and that's where you have a big problem. So it, it kind of depends on where you are and what, what church you're in. I mean, in our church, we have clear complementarian commitments that, that everybody under understands and there's no yeah. question mark about it, but I don't, I don't necessarily see that as, as the norm.
1: Oh, okay. So, I mean, Denny switching gears here, like uh, if it's okay, I'd like to ask you a question here. Like what are your thoughts on the statement uh, on social justice and the gospel, I know you've kind of put some things out there, but I'd love to kind of hear directly from you. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, there are some there are some items. Well, let I me mean, how should I approach this? Um, oh, you're going to get in trouble! I mean, Here we go.
1: We going viral, Denny. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> I didn't sign the statement on social justice because there was some things. The way that some of the things were stated, I could not sign one yeah. two. Um, having said that, um, the guys who signed it are good brothers and, yeah. um, I think love the Lord and love the gospel. And
1: the, well, except Dwayne Atkinson, he does not continue. Um,
2: <laughs> I got I mean, I'm saying that in general, I'm talking right, right, right. that I know, I don't know everybody who signed it, but, uh, um, you know, there's so, the, the, the reasons that they felt compelled to write it, um, I resonate with. So Mm -hmm. they're looking at um, issues of um, – well, basically the issues that we covered in the Nashville statement. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, they
0: signed your statement, but you ain't signing
2: their statement. Wow,
1: (laughs) Danny. Whoa, bait and switch.
2: (laughs) Uh, Let me say something about the signing of statements. (laughs) Listen, there's lots of good people who didn't sign the Nashville statement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, And they had people who agree with – even what the Nashville statement says, I'm not talking about critics of it. I'm talking about people who agree yeah. with, it. they didn't sign yeah. it for whatever reason, either because they're a confessionalist and they don't sign confessions beyond what their church, whatever reason. So when it, when it comes to signatures on statements for, for me and for what we were hoping to achieve with the Nashville statement, it, it's not to de- to declare who's in and who's out. The reason that we wanted signatures especially the initial signatories, was to commend this to as broad um, uh, an audience as possible. Yeah. So if somebody picks up the statement and they look at it and they go, what should I think about this? And all of a sudden they see, oh, oh look, John MacArthur and John Piper and you know J.I. Packer, they've, they've signed this. Mm-hmm. They, it, it makes their ears perk up and they go, well, maybe we need to listen to this. So the, the signatures are to co- the, the whole point of a statement like that is to commend it to churches and ministries, and you, you don't want to infer from that that if some person's name is off of it that they're somehow off the reservation. Right, if some right. people's names are off of it, maybe off the reservation. I'm sure. just saying that that's the wrong way to think about those those lists. Right. So, I mean, our goal was to do that. I mean, so I, I don't, I wouldn't, I, I would hope that 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 would be how these. Function in large part because I mean, CBMW has no ecclesial authority, right? Right, right. We can commend things, we can draw churchmen and, together to to uh, draft statements and, and whatnot. But if a church or a ministry doesn't adopt it, then it's not anything, right? Right. I mean, right. our goal is this: is our goal is for churches and ministries to be faithful to the gospel of what God's called them to be. So. So I know sometimes people wonder about what are the, what is the value of statements. Well, that's what I think they could be. If it serves the church, then it's valuable. If it doesn't, then it's not. So
0: well, um, we've o- we, we've only got a couple more minutes with you. We know your your, your time is uh, is valuable. Uh, if I can, uh, we've got some of our listeners asking some Twitter questions. So we'll do this. You you can answer these very briefly, and even like one of them is going to be hard to answer briefly. So do your best. The rest of them should be easy, or at least relatively easy. Okay. Yep. So a couple of quick questions for you. Um Matthew Statler asked uh can you explain the difference between cultural concepts of masculinity and biblical definitions? Um Yeah. What's what, what is uh, the what are maybe uh, what is a or some main differences between cultural concepts of masculinity and a biblical concept?
2: Well, a good example of a conflation of those are that recent APA report <laughs> um where they they basically take You know, sinful, uh, basically sinful expressions, cultural expressions of masculinity and conflate it with some characteristics which are good. And so you have to just open up your Bible to to see this. But if you think that domination is a masculine trait— um, and then you denounce all masculinity on that, on that basis, you're, you're kind of missing the point, which I, I'm sorry, I've got the APA thing in the back of my mind, as I'm saying, this. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's kind of what they do there. But so a negative cultural trait would be something like domination would be something like uh, um, being self-serving, those kinds of things. Biblical masculinity, on the other hand, would be focused on leadership, protection and provision and doing it in a, self-sacrificial christ-like way i mean that that would be the main difference now you can have distortions of 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 any of those of of any of those traits of the leadership of the protection the you can have distortions of any of those yeah that's nevertheless what he's called us to
0: so um what about uh, jordan peterson and some of the things that he is teaching on masculinity a lot of christians are reading his books and listening to his lectures um basic thoughts on jordan peterson on masculinity
2: I'm going to reserve, I'm going to pass because I haven't read 12 rules for life yet. Okay. Um,
1: That's a good point. Fair enough. I do not
2: feel, uh, I I went down a a rabbit hole one day on YouTube and watched a bunch of videos, but I don't feel like I have the whole picture yet. So yeah. Yeah. We like,
0: we like a lot of what he says, but Jordan Peterson,
2: uh, uh, experience.
0: Yeah. We like a lot of what he says. He's not, obviously he's not a believer, but he's a smart guy. I think he's making some good points. Uh, but I, I, obviously I don't agree with everything he says. Um, we were just curious. All right. Also, Hey, Kyle Hopper wants to know, do you still skateboard? <laughs>
2: um, you know, I have uh, submitted to my wife's <laughs> instructions that I should not skateboard without a helmet. And um, I just bought a brand-new skateboard about a year and a half ago after not skating for a long time. And I got out there in that helmet, and I looked like a ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, My era did not wear helmets. And so uh, we have this ongoing low-grade controversy about whether or not I should wear a helmet in skateboarding, which leads to me not skateboarding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. I think I've, I've got another one here. Uh, Jay Fowler 63 asks, when are you and Owen going to release another rap album? <laughs>
2: <laughs> another one?
1: Uh, I know, you know, oh, I mean, you guys have done things album. over at I the college have. there, but when are you guys going to release something for public consumption together? Oh, a, co- a collaboration
2: got, of sorts. I got Owen's album and I know how to distribute it. Just <laughs> after oh,
1: I'm glad you finally said it because I won't tell Owen that, you know, that's how I received it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not Owen. It's crosswords.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, listen, um, Denny, what, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've written a lot, but most recently uh, I think you wrote a commentary on the pastoral epistles uh, that's available now, right?
2: Yeah. The, the ES uh, crossway just came out with the ESV um, expository commentary and um, I did the, the the portion on the pastorals. And so, yeah, that just came out late last year right. and, um, man, it was a joy to, to write and to be a part of. Very cool. We'll be linking to that
0: in the show notes. If people want to connect with you online, like what's your Twitter? Are you on Instagram? How can people find you?
2: Um, Twitter.com, Denny Burke, D E N N Y B U R K. And then, uh,
0: hang on a second. Hang on. Oh, wait, wait, stop hang on. It. wait, wait, stop it. So wait, your handle is just Denny Burke, right? There's no underscore or numbers in there. Nope. I hate you. I hate wow. everything Jimmy, about you Jimmy has like underscores and numbers I have no in underscore his, It's impossible no to find underscore. Him. All right. I, anyways, you know at Denny Burke is you Twitter You know why that happened?
2: Because I work around people that? that are That were just on the cutting edge of these things And got in early I Unlike Jimmy in early yeah. I was in Canada
1: for 10 years We just got internet there <laughs> Canada, oh my gosh
2: uh, Also DennyBurke.com I forgot about what. don't want to forget about my website Yeah Dennybrook.com.
0: Obviously, you can find him at uh, CBMW uh, and uh, all that. Denny, uh, we really appreciate you making time to talk to us. We know you're super busy. Um, Thank you for making the time. We really appreciate it. I think this is a valuable conversation. We enjoyed the things that you had to say. Uh, We look forward to catching you at a conference soon or uh, maybe just online, but uh, we'll, we'll try and touch base with you when we can.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Doc and Devo, or on Facebook, slash Doctor and Devotion. You can head on the website, doctorvotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast, or hit up the store, joefostore.com, and grab some gear. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content when available. Later.